We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Stéphane Lacoe. I am joined, as always, by the one, the only, the Travis May. You can find Travis on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. You can find me at Stéphane Lacoe. We have a very fun, exciting episode for you today. We are going to talk about dynasty startup we're going to go through some different variations and leagues talk about how to format it but then also just talk strategy for a while um, but before we jump into all that travis uh how are you recovering from your long week <laughs> i'm good i'm good just uh yeah um i, I don't know I, you have a kid under under two and they're always sick and <laughs> you uh you, you you move on with life you just learn to to figure things out. So I've been dealing with a sick kid off and on and, and that's not been fun, but that's okay. And uh, we're making it. We got another one coming in like a month. So we're going to have two kids under two. So uh, that's going to be an adventure, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm somehow staying healthy this time. So uh, happy about that at least. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's good. Um, of course, now there's not near as many sports to be as excited about, but that's why we get to do all this. I saw someone on Twitter being like, why are people already starting to talk about fantasy football? I was like, this is the time to talk about it. Basketball just ended. Hockey just ended. Baseball is baseball. And uh, we get to be excited about fantasy football. It's the perfect time for it. You and I are in a couple of leagues together, and some of our drafts have just started. Um, in fact, we were doing a little bit of work on our rosters right before we hit record here for one yeah. of our uh, – C to C leagues where uh, we're doing the NFL side. And let me tell you, if you haven't been in a, in a college to Canton league and you're a couple of years into it, uh, those NFL side drafts, uh, they can be a little bit bare. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, the deeper drafts you go, uh, I don't know, the deeper leagues you're in, the fewer players are available each and every year. So when you have like rosters of 45, 50 players on both sides, NFL and college, yeah, it makes uh, you know the drafts a, a little bit uh, shallow on the NFL side for sure, but it's still fun. There's a few players that squeak through, interesting uh, players to roster, but for the most part, I, I'm just looking at, ahead at all the college stuff just to gain even further uh, of an edge if I can in, in that regard. 
Yeah, it's going to be it's, it's such a fun time of year. Is there anything crazy going on in the world of sports? Uh, well, in the world of football that uh, you want to talk about before we jump into uh, just kind of going through the basics of uh, startup dynasty? No, man, it's it's kind of like that dead period right now. We've got a few more weeks before college, uh, you know, camps start and NFL camps come back. Rookies make it to training camp. So not a whole lot of uh, brand new news at this point. Like even even the excitement of all of the college football second transfer window in May, like a lot of those players that were still in the, in the transfer portal, uh, you know, at the end of that time have found new places, new homes. And so, yeah, not a whole lot to to get excited about in terms of new news at the moment, but there's plenty to get excited about in terms of, in terms of like projecting how the season's actually going to go in both college and the NFL. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, yeah, it's been slow. Like ever since the Alexander Madison, well, Davin cook news dropped. Uh, I don't feel like we've really had a whole lot to talk about. Uh, so let's get into it. Like I'd love to hear just kind of go through some of the basics here, startup dynasty football for a lot of people. That's a, a pretty drastic step. That, that first wading into the water of dynasty football. I feel like once you get there, it's easy to be sucked out into the uh, ocean, of, which is Debbie and then college to Ken. So we're going to get into some of those as well. Um, but what is your favorite kind of format personally? What do you like uh, to plan? If you're joining a league now, what are some of the things that are uh, must-haves or if it's a part of the league, you're just out, not <laughs> interested? Yeah, there's not not a whole lot that uh, I, I'm just like not interested in. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll automatically say uh, no to when it comes to a format or um, you know type of type of league for sure. <laughs> but when it comes to um, you know the, the the depth and breadth of the leagues that I enjoy most, uh, it's definitely college to can formats, campus to can formats, just because you have uh, all of the college side and the NFL side and. You know, leagues that you can even draft uh, players before they're in college, like they're, they're, that's really entertaining to me just because I follow uh, re- recruiting as much as I can as possible. And so when uh, I get a lot of questions about certain players and analysis when it comes to rookie draft season and all that, uh, I'm like, man, like, like, where are you seeing this player go in your leagues? I'm like, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, in my leagues for three or four years, five years. And so I, I don't, I'm not in a whole lot of like normal, quote unquote, normal uh, dynasty leagues at, at this point in my life. I think I'm only in two that I would call kind of normal <laughs> that don't have a natural Debbie aspect to them. So where you're trying to roster players before they're even in the league. So that definitely has uh, created a, a new level uh, to my nerdiness, uh, <laughs> I guess, when it comes to, to playing all, all these uh, crazy leagues. But um, I, I think my favorite format is definitely uh, campus to Canton for sure. I, I, if, if, if I'm going to be adding any leagues at this point in my life and I, frankly, I've been trying to shed some, <laughs> right. Can, yep. Uh, it's going to have to be that format. Yeah. I've been like, I no longer am very interested in keeper leagues. I either want to do just straight redraft. Cause that's fun because it's, it feels like very little commitment, <laughs> even though for a lot of people it is, but um yeah, keeper leagues for me, it's just that in between that I'm not interested in. I either want to do Devi, uh, or or yes, so those C to C leagues are fun for me. Uh, but I, I'm open to everything. The only uh, leagues I will no longer join are two tight end leagues. I, I accidentally, I didn't realize a league I joined last week was a two tight end league, and we had the draft, and it was like halfway through. It was right after my pick in round one, so it wasn't too late. Uh, but I was like, God damn it! I was so mad that I, I just don't enjoy two tight end leagues anyway. 
Um, when it comes to league size, is there a certain number? Like to me, I'm not interested in a 10, 10 team dynasty. Uh, to me is just a little bit too shallow. Uh, I'm in some 12. I mean, my, most of them are 12. I'm in a couple 14s as well. Is there a range of teams that you think is ideal for fantasy football when it comes to startup? I mean, uh, 12 is, is perfect, I, I think, in, in many cases. Uh, but uh, a 14 team, I actually really, really enjoy that because it just the depth involved um, is just another layer, you know. And so I think um, it requires all the all the league members to just go a little bit deeper with all their drafts. And so I feel like I, I can find a little bit more of an edge uh, when you get in the later rounds because um, when you're rostering 45, 50 players on either side, oftentimes like the first 10 rounds are – not not chalky per se, but like it, they're a little bit more predictable. Um, well, yeah, and they're probably going very closely aligned to whatever the app you're using, their ADP or their yeah, rankings. It's exactly. pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. And so like it's just there's not a whole lot of unless you really go off of what consensus board would be. Um, not a lot of strategic advantage, um, but you can definitely in 14 teams plus. Uh, you know, pretty quickly things start to diverge and kind of kind of the mid rounds of many drafts, especially in the later rounds of, of drafts where you're, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel to, to find that, that uh, three-star freshman in some, <laughs> in right. some college league or, uh, or even on the NFL side, like understanding like the depths of uh, the depth charts of, you know, every team in the league, uh, which I kind of have to do for my job. Like, you know, you know, uh, th- this, this wide receiver four in the right spot and the right offense, if there's an injury, might be way more interesting. You know, like I just understanding that there's there's an edge to be had. They're probably years. already on my roster though. I think I I only <laughs> roster fourth string wide receivers oh, that yeah. have That's upside. Exactly. That is exactly. I, I still have Kenny Galladay on squads. So <laughs> Man, but, yeah, I could spend two hours talking about Kenny Galladay, but we won't do that today. Do you think 14 teams? I'm a one of the new startup dynasties I'm doing is a 14 league super flex. So that's when it gets really interesting because quarterback already gets a little bit thin. Um, but with 14 teams, even if, you know, everyone gets a starter um, or two, I'd rather like it, it could still be pretty tough. So I do think that a year or two, there'll be many teams that have a wide receiver in their super flex. Yeah. Uh, I actually do like that. If your league in, in 14 teams uh, doesn't go crazy with quarterback values, because a couple of my leagues, um, you know, it, it, I've seen, let's see, Trevor Simeon back in the day went for like a first and, and a 14 team super flex. Like it's, it, it can get absolutely absurd because people are just desperate. Yeah. For quarterbacks. And I guess it's okay. It's like, if somebody's going to pay the price. Okay. But, but seriously, it's just, I, I've seen so many leagues, uh, just ha- enter into major parody problems because there are dumb trades like that made that can really just destroy a team for years. And so like, a, a manager will leave um, and it's almost impossible to replace them because the team's so terrible and you can do a dispersal draft, but the dispersals are just shuffling crap around. Right. Uh, so uh, it's just for the health of, of leagues, it's uh, you got to be careful and make sure that you're entering into fantasy leagues with a good group of people that, uh, you know, are not going to bail. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Build a team horribly. Um, and also just understand like values in, in deeper odd formats. Cause it's really hard to standardize values. Like there's not a great way to use a, a calculator in, in several different formats in which I play. And so just playing with the, the right group, that's not going to destroy their team <laughs> um, is kind of key. So 
finding the, the right league members is just as important as, as picking the right format. Yeah, and I think with that too is making sure that everyone has some way of communicating with each other, whether it's like through Discord or GroupMe, what, whatever it is, make sure that there's some format to reach out to other people, not just for trading, but even just like notifying of like deadlines and like, hey, the draft is coming up in a week, whatever it might be. Um, I am a pretty firm believer in a startup dynasty. If you can't get together in person, slow draft um, or a slow auction is is definitely the way to go. Uh, I don't think you can do a startup dynasty without all members picking their team. Like no auto draft is what I'm trying to say. Like that's crucial to me uh, as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't imagine actually even attempting to do that. <laughs> uh, that would be that would be really rough. Yeah. Do you have a preference when it comes to auction um, or snake? I absolutely uh, cannot stand auction. And so I know some of our listeners that, you know, that it's probably like their favorite thing and they only want to do auction formats. Uh, but I've just been involved in some situations where uh, it, it, it just the parity is destroyed because two or three teams have a really good draft or two, two or three teams have a really bad draft. And the, the league is just starting off in a terrible spot because uh, auction is just unique. Like I've, I've been in so many and, and no two auctions are created alike. Um, and so prepping for that uh, and being able to adjust mid draft uh, takes, it takes a certain amount of strategy and uh, flexibility and uh, an understanding of, of league mates and the understanding of cap allocation. And if there is a salary cap and beyond just the, uh, the auction dollars available and, and um, like contract years and uh, there's so many things, with auctions like there's so many different types of it like you just really have to understand what you're getting into otherwise you can destroy yourself pretty easily um so it's just from a parody perspective um it's it's odd because you know it, in the right situation if somebody's buying the right amount of auction dollars like you know like the the, the fourth best team could pick the best player in a draft which i i just don't necessarily even like you know like mm -hmm. you can if you like th that person you need to pay up um, for the, for the, you know, the 1.01 and, and like a snake style draft, if you're going to do that. And and somebody might say, well, yeah, I'm, I paid to acquire a bunch of auction dollars or whatever, but there's just so much, um, that goes into, uh, auction dollar acquisition and strategy that, um, I've seen that abused from time to time, time and time again. So I just, I'm not one that is, that's going to be weaseling around trying to scrape around dollars to, to manipulate the system and, and get the best player in the draft when I'm actually like the, the third best team. So that's just not me. So I'm just not a fan uh, from for, for a variety of reasons. I completely agree when there is a discrepancy with the team owners in their experience, their understanding. I think if you could get together 12 to 14 like-minded individuals who understand what an auction is like, it could be really fun. But to your point, I know my very first auction startup that I did, um, that team is still hot garbage uh, four years later because it's been <laughs> so hard to scramble. To, and it was also like Debbie, it was also happened to be my first Debbie league and uh, super flex. It was one of my first super. So it was like you said, I started off so badly um, and other teams, because of that, were so dominant that it has been the same like four teams uh, in the playoffs. And those are the guys with the most experience. So, yeah, to your point, I think it definitely can start it off on a wrong foot. But now that I have done it, I do really enjoy it. I think it's fun. It adds a different element to the game. But, yeah, you really have to know uh, that your team, that your like your league mates uh, understand what's going on, and which is hard to do because you also want that advantage 
um, so that you can get the best players. But yeah. I do think snake draft is the way to go. I'm not a big fan of third round reversal uh, myself. It to me feels com- like an unneeded complication. What is, what is your thought on um, third round reversal? Or maybe tell people what it is too, in case. Yeah. You so don't know. if you're not familiar, it's like uh, you know, in a normal snake draft, it goes like one uh, pick one through twelve, and then the guy who had the pick twelve has the first, you know, in, in the next round, and so it goes one to twelve, twelve to one, and then it you know back and forth, one to twelve, what twelve to one, one to twelve, twelve to one, back and forth. Uh, but with the third round reversal, it just goes pick one through twelve, and then twelve to one, and then it it, it flips, it's, and rather than having the person who had the first pick. Um, you know, picking at uh, if in a twelve-team league, you know, first and twenty-fourth and twenty-fifth, it flips, and uh, you know that the person who actually had twelfth and thirteenth has that twenty-fifth pick. And so I get that. Um, I think from like a singular season standpoint, a little bit more so than in dynasty, because dynasty is just a long-term build. In every kind of league where you're keeping your year, like keeping your roster year over year, like the the, the marginal advantage that you might think would be gained by someone picking first versus 12th uh, and then being able to loop around again very quickly or having like the, the first 24th and 25th picks, like there's just not much value to be gained in the long term. So I, I really don't, if, if there's any dynasty format that does that, that's just completely pointless. Okay. <laughs> there you have it folks. Um, I like it. No, no soft takes today. Uh, let's talk about roster type a little bit here. What is your preferred method for for super uh, not for super flex for startup dynasty um and does it change if you're doing debbie or c2c leagues um with my just like with like for like super flex like do you prefer super flex do you think in dynasty it makes more sense do you think in general it does um or yeah if you're playing in a one quarterback league for dynasty I, i i i get that that's what a lot of people I don't know, quote, quote unquote, grew up playing or whatever. Uh, maybe that's what you're used to. But it just there's there's no value at all in quarterbacks, like whatsoever. Like, and so, uh, uh, or outside of the top, outside of the top four, yeah, you know, it's, it's, there's like three or four that are actually worth something, and then no one else. The entire position at the most important position in the sport means anything for fantasy football purposes in terms of like positional value over replacement. And so there's, there's no sense in even rostering like the, the quarterback 25 or 26. And so it's just like starters mean, you know, back end starters just mean nothing, but in super flex, there's just added value. And so I'm, I'm all for adding value uh, to as many players as possible in, in every format that you can find, just like adding as much valuable to two players to make it uh, worth having them on your, on your team. It just makes it more complex, um, uh, and so you know, giving giving value to every player, uh, and just by default makes every league league deeper. Um, and so, I, I really really prefer super super flex leagues, two quarterback leagues. But I understand, um, you know, that's just still I guess not quote unquote normal. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm actually not in any two quarterback leagues. Most uh, most leagues are super flex, and then I have a one or two. Actually, I think I'm only in one startup dynasty. Uh, that's a one quarterback league, but not in any two quarterback where you're forced to play two. Of course, most people try to play two quarterbacks in a super flex. Uh, you're talking about adding value to positions. How do you feel about adding uh, a second tight end? I talked about this earlier. I am not a big fan. Uh, do you like two tight end leagues? Are you in any two tight end leagues? Uh, I'm only in like one. Yeah, I'm just in one. And there's one that on the college side it is. 
uh, two tight ends, but not on the NFL side. I don't know why that is, but uh, it, I, the, the college side on that one's like super, super deep, but um, I'm, I'm not really a fan of uh, that in general too often, but I get, I get it because you're adding value to more players. Uh, but the, the replacement value at that level of like, you know, tight end 24 and below <laughs> uh, gets, gets pretty rough. And so I, I get avoiding that. Um, so you don't have people trying to hoard, you know, Travis Kelsey and then insert your favorite top five other tight end here um, and just, you know, riding that for five years, six years. <laughs> but um, I, I get going for it just to add some value to players, but I'm not necessarily a fan just because it gets really gross when you get into the tight end 20 something conversation. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong um, app in um, the two tight end startup that I just were. We just started the draft last week by pick. Let's see within the first two rounds, we already had four tight ends go. So four tight ends in the first two rounds and that's in a super flex as well. So it was crazy. Um, but yeah, someone ended up with like Andrews and Pitts or something like that. And you're just like, okay, <laughs> that's when I realized that's when I realized it was a two tight end. Like I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Look what I just, I just figured something out. Um, how do you feel about kickers and or DSTs in dynasty? I don't necessarily, I, I know that there's an argument to be made that there's some value in, in kickers and single season leagues and, you know, you can be a little bit, you can, they can be a little bit um, uh, predictable. And so therefore they should be rostered. And I, I just don't like it at all. Like, I don't like the idea of just, uh, you know, losing because it's even like when you adjust for kick depth and things like that um, down to the yard, like, Oh, this kick was 52 yards and it didn't really mean anything in the game at all. <laughs> uh, you know, this junk time, last second <laughs> right uh field goal for 52 yards and i lost by 0.1 uh not really a fan of that whatsoever just because i'm not a fan of the kicking game at all uh in general so i i get it. it's just a personal preference i know people are like oh it's part of the game that's fine i just don't like it at all i don't like kickers in any format of any kind um so not a fan there um, and then the year over year defensive and special teams like i i, I get that people you know when they're playing fantasy football for the first time like there was a, a whole team defense and special teams and that was just built in because i was espn standard 20 years ago um but i got there's just so much volatility there <laughs> um you know you could probably just stream whoever's playing insert you know bottom five offense here uh year over year and and, and for like single year leagues but for di- dynasty it's just there's no place for it in my opinion like i just would rather actually have individual defensive players rather than having defensive teams as a whole because uh, there's way more strategy involved in, in having the you know a full team of individual defensive players versus like just streaming whoever's playing the worst offense in the league or even just having three or four defenses and randomly picking the Bengals when they get two touchdowns against so-and-so I guess just uh, there's so much volatility volatility involved I feel like we're just adding a layer to to have more points uh, and increased volatility and that may be interesting to somebody I like being able to actually have it kind of be more predictable, I guess, and right. and, and uh, more skill-based, I guess. I feel the same way in Dynasty. I am. I used to write the uh, kicker streaming article for Rotoviz, um, yeah. and I stopped doing it because I just it just took a lot of time every week. Um, but basically, I do think there is an advantage on a week-to-week basis on your kicker that you select, you know. But for Dynasty purposes, that's not what we're trying to do. Um, and so it, to me, it just 
kind of deflates the value in it. I still, I don't even like it in, don't get me wrong. I prefer to play in leagues without kickers, but I play in a lot of leagues with kickers because I'm in so many leagues. I cannot be the commissioner of all of them. And so I, uh, I'll do it and I can maximize it based on my strategy um, and the math behind it. Uh, but I don't want to, uh, I don't want to start do a dynasty like that. Cause I don't want all that weekly roster turnover when I've got 50 players on my roster or have to roster three kickers so that I can pick the right one each week. So we're on the same page there. Um, how do you feel about scoring? Um, standard scoring is no longer standard. I think most dynasty leagues have some sort of element of, of change, whether it's adding a point uh, for or a half point per reception, um, points per first down, uh, all kinds of different ways to do it. Uh, tight end premium instead of doing a two, two, I, oh, wow, I can't speak. Instead of doing a two tight end league, another way to increase the value of tight ends is to make them uh, make the scoring a tight end premium where maybe the tight end gets an extra half point per reception or first down. What do you think about scoring? How important is it uh, to you to kind of look? I mean, this is I'm leading the witness here, but talk to me about why it's important to know the scoring before you start drafting as well. Well, because you're going to get screwed and, and, <laughs> uh, and build a really bad team if you don't understand the rules. But uh, I, I think adding like a full point per reception back in the day, I always thought was really silly because you, you know, you get like some slot receiver that was actually quite bad um, and have like six catches for 42 yards. And like, that's, <laughs> and, and that's a great day in PPR. Um, and so I, I always preferred like half PPR, but just kind of went along with everyone because they went full PPR and that became standard. But I think I, if I had my, uh, my preference, I, I would say half PPR because I think it's, Hey, look, you did catch the ball, but it's not giving you like the equivalent of 10 yards just for like, you know, doing the base level expectation of your job, and, and which is just to secure the freaking ball in your hands um, at the, and, you know, like catch for zero yards. That's, hey, there's a, here's a free point. Like that means yeah. literally nothing uh, in terms of a, actual real in-game application. So half, half I think is a, is a good marriage, marriage between like not very many points at all and adding way too much points to begin with. Uh, but I, I actually do also like adding a point for uh, first downs um, because that's, again, like that's real game application. That's real. Hey, that actually matters to your, your team. Um, and so uh, I like adding uh, value that means something for fantasy and means something for uh, real football purposes. And then, you know, tight end premium. I, d- I know like there's not some magic real game application for a tight end, just catching the ball either, but Again, adding value where you can, you know, brings up the floor a little bit on the position as a whole and uh, can, can make them more tradable in terms of assets across the board. Uh, you know, when you're comparing them to a running back or wide receiver. Uh, so it just makes them more uh, valuable to everyone in the league. So I think having some sort of tight end premium, whether it's a full like point and a half per reception, I'm not necessarily there for that. But whatever the base level expectation is for a catch, I do like adding something uh, for the tight ends. Do you like it when receivers and uh, running backs have different rules when it comes to, or different scoring when it comes to receptions or first downs, like one might get a full point, the other might get a half point, or do you prefer just to be kind of standardized um, outside of maybe a tight end premium? You mean like just like across positions having some variance as to what? Yeah. Cause I've been in some leagues where like yeah. uh, a running back reception and a wide receiver yeah. reception aren't one's half point, one's a full point. Yeah. I actually do like, and, and a lot of people call that just like a tiered PPR, like where, uh, wide receivers might have a, a half, running backs might have a full, and then tight ends 
might have a uh, 1.5 um, points per reception. And I actually do kind of like that build. And then layering on top of that points for first down. So you're not just, um, you know, that, 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 you know, and it gets the, the overall points pretty high in terms of like your weekly totals for every player and your league point pretty to- like pretty high when you're adding a point just for every catch or a half point for every catch plus some incremental, I'm not talking like a full point for first, first down, but like a point two or something like that for first down um, that can add up pretty quickly, especially when you're talking like rushing for like a dual threat quarterback too. Um, but I think um, anything that can make uh, all approaches to the game equitable, um, you know, like if you really like running backs, you really like wide receivers, you really like tight ends, you want to prioritize one of the, one of the positions and you can do so. Yeah. And I think having a tiered approach is, is, is good for that. Yeah. And I'm also in a couple leagues that give like quarter points per rush attempt and stuff like that. You know, like it can get pretty wacky, pretty wild. Um, how do you like us uh, move on to, um, you know, acquiring free agents throughout the season? Do you prefer um, again? And, and we can talk about this when it comes to Debbie and college to Canton or campus to Canton leagues as well. Do you prefer just like a worst team gets the first pick? Do you like having some sort of annual budget that you can use for like blind bidding? What is your uh, preferred method? Um, and of course, I, I know your take on waivers in Debbie league. So you can hit that as well, or a C to C leagues um, and yeah. Debbie leagues, of course. Sure. And this, uh, every off season, that's, that's really, that's a really popular debate um, in terms of that, that format. But I, I used to hate blind dollar bidding and, and whatnot, but th- there's some skill involved in just uh, throughout the year, properly uh, not blowing your entire waiver budget on like one player uh, or, you know, dipping that up so you can add two or three impact players in the first two or three weeks of the year. I think there's there's some value in that and just having, you know, an inverted standings look at the waiver order. Like that's not even necessarily a, a good a representation of who the best teams are. Because like if it's in a head to head league, maybe the best two teams just played each other, and then like right. the, the second and third teams played each other in week two, and then like a really good team is actually zero and two. Like that's not if, if you're trying to uh, level out the league and then have teams be able to recover and make themselves better to where the league is overall more equal uh, in the early weeks into the later weeks of the, of the year. Um, I, the, the, having the waiver order just be inverse of standards. That, that, that was great for like 2006 or whatever, <laughs> but like uh, I, I really like having a blind bid budget for dynasty leagues, for single year leagues, for most every format um, for on the NFL side, for sure. But um, when it comes to campus can leagues though, uh, I am firmly on the uh, opposite side of just look, when all of my leagues have like a minimum, I think 40 players on the college side. And I always recommend just, Hey, let's just make it 45 or 50 on the college side, which if you're listening to this show in June, you probably playing some odd leagues yourself. But, um, <laughs> but if, if you think that's a lot, it's really not in, in terms of college because there's 133 FBS teams now. Uh, so there's, you know, you know, tens of thousands of players basically in college at this point, like not, you know, it's, it's a lot of players um, to choose from. And so, and rosters are so much huge are so much larger on colleges than they yeah. are in the NFL. <laughs> like, yeah. And so there's just a lot to, to do. So you can easily get up to 40 plus. And so like, if, if you're in a startup and you draft 40 players and you're having a depth issue uh, due to injuries, that's nine times out of 10, your fault because you just did not build the team uh, 
you know, in, in a way with, you know, being where you were deep enough at tight end, where you're deep enough at quarterback, where you're deep enough at whatever. Um, and I get some people, will, you know, would build a little younger or just go win now. Um, but, uh, and, and there are exceptions to the rule. Like, you know, you might get screwed with some kind of late injury uh, when it comes to the, the playoff time. Okay, well, then trade. Make a trade. Like, like just fix it like you would in any other, like, single-year type approach to the league. Like, there are other ways to reposition yourself that don't involve, uh, you know, picking a player up off waivers and ruining future drafts and the depth of, of, of drafts that are upcoming. Um, it just kills – uh, all of like when, when it comes to players leaving college and going to the NFL kills the depth on the NFL draft, which is already bad. And that's, that's the, the least important thing. Uh, but second off uh, if for players that are returning to college, like all the players that just went off that weren't drafted, like the players that will go off this year that weren't drafted this year, they're all in next year's draft to go with next year's freshman. There's that, that, that makes every other draft in the future more interesting by not having, you know, 12 or 14 teams be able to just pick up players throughout the year. And even if you limit the number of waiver acquisitions that you have throughout the year, um, that's just another layer of unneeded complication um, that if you just so, like simplified it, just like, Hey, just draft 40, 50 players. You have depth figured out. If you, if you get screwed and have eight quarterbacks get hurt, cool. Make a freaking trade. Yeah. Cause someone is tanking and will be happy to give you someone on their yeah. roster and take someone for next year. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just like, we, we shouldn't just encourage people to, hey, look, I, I completely suck at drafting. <laughs> and so let me just fix my entire team by having unlimited waivers on the college side. And I, you know, I just obviously my, my whole team sucks. So I'm just going to pick up a bunch of uh, bad wide receivers on the 97th best team and just go college side only and just be like, you know, it's just there's so many ways to be annoying by having yeah. waivers uh, <laughs> outside. Like I, there's just like way too many to even name in one hour long episode. Right. uh, It's way easier. Just like not like just don't suck at drafting, you know, like just don't suck and then you'll be fine. (laughs) And like, you know, and if, if your draft does suck, it's like, Hey, waivers weren't open. So there's a bunch of players that you can actually acquire in next year's draft, or you can actually just trade. Like there are other ways to make your team better than just, just waivers. So like, uh, I, it's just a crutch, uh, in my opinion. So, how do you feel about uh trade deadlines do you think that they should be open all year round no matter what do you think it should stop before the playoffs and then reopen after the championship game where do you stand on that because obviously this is something that needs to be decided before you get to the end of the year like this needs to be in your yeah just in a dynasty uh how do you feel and like if if you feel like it's different for um a college roster than it is uh, an NFL roster. I'd love to hear that too. But my my take is I like to have rosters open until the playoffs. Um, and then whatever team you took into the playoffs, that's kind of what you're stuck with. And then you can reopen afterwards. Yeah, I kind of like that too. Um, and I get it. Like people have injuries and whatnot. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I don't necessarily like having, you know, the teams, you know, drastically changing in the middle of the playoffs. Um, necessarily uh i don't know there's just i would rather just just go into the playoffs take your best team for those two weeks if what happens happens <laughs> uh and then reopening after i know a lot of people want to be like well what if you know three players get hurt in this week okay like that that just doesn't happen a whole lot um but i just just if you've got a deep enough league and deep enough roster 
um, it's not necessarily a problem anyway. So yeah, waivers trade deadline. And I, I like having just kind of a, a playoff capsule <laughs> and then yeah. uh, reopening it after. And if you are in a league, I know we're not talking about strategy yet, but you, if you are in a league that uh, keeps, uh, keeps trade trading opening, uh, if you're not in the playoffs, you need to be extremely active because that's a nice, easy way if there's an injury to, uh, to acquire a lot of value. Um, how do you feel about vetoes? I'm pretty much firmly in. If you have to veto a trade, um, that's because people are cheating and they need to be removed from the league. Otherwise, there should be no vetoes. That's yeah, no, no vetoes at all. That, that's just yeah. like, no, never. Like, um, yeah, unless unless like it's so bad that people need to be removed. <laughs> like otherwise, um, I remember I was in a league and um, what was the dude's name who uh, he got traded to the Colts, the running back? Trent Richardson. Trent Richardson, yeah. I was thinking Anthony Richardson, and I knew that wasn't it, but same last name. And I remember someone tried to acquire him or did acquire him for super, super cheap. It just seemed ridiculous. Like, how can you, how can we let this stand? And then looking back, like, I I was the one pushing for the veto. We vetoed it. It wasn't allowed. And it ended up working in the favor of the person who, you know, didn't actually get Trent Richardson. (laughs) But at first, of course, he was pissed. He's like, I want, I want this guy. But it, like we don't know all that to say we don't know people's career arcs we don't know what's going to happen let people trade you're not smarter than them if they're cool with it you should be cool with it yeah yeah i'm right there with you man 100% uh did i forget anything else before we take a quick break and then jump into some strategy stuff no i think we're good all right let's take a quick break and we'll be right back we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're back. We are going to talk strategy when it comes to startup I don't want to so much focus uh, at this moment on the player specifics. We'll do that at a later time. I just want to talk about just overall strategy as you approach your dynasty uh, auction or draft. We're going to talk probably more about drafting um, than auctions just because auctions are all over the place. Um, But before we get into uh, that specifically, when you walk away from a draft um, on the NFL side, let's focus there. 
what are you looking for as for as far as roster construction? For the most part, we're going to be talking about Superflex, but just um, in a standard quarterback, you kind of already mentioned, uh, you probably uh, aren't going to be rostering that many, and hopefully you, ha- you get one of the top few. Um, but how, how many quarterbacks are you wanting to walk away with um, in a single quarterback league? Well, I used to just not draft a quarterback in, in redraft leagues, and that would just drive all my friends crazy. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, and, and then I pick one up before week one, and one, <laughs> um, just because like the, when one quarterback leagues for like single year drafts, like they're so, especially a few years ago, they, like quarterbacks were just so replaceable. You could just not draft one. Um, you know, just make sure you were you know, for the few weeks that you had ahead of the NFL season, if you want to, you know give a, a, a closer look at the back end of your roster and, you know, then cut somebody uh, later on. Like you could just wait and just pick up a Phillip rivers because <laughs> or somebody yeah. crazy like down the line and, and still win your, your championship, just streaming quarterbacks. Like there's brands built off that idea. Um, but mm-hmm. in terms of one quarterback leagues now, like even if it's dynasty, like it's, I still want to have two or three guys, you know, like probably three in a startup uh, for the most part, if, unless I'm just building, you know, like hundred percent off just player value in, in one quarterback. And, and then I only have like one or two, like one, and then try to just trade for a second if I need to. Um, but I, I just so infrequently, uh, even, in, even playing one quarterback at this point, um, it's, it's hard to even say what I would do in like a new one this year. Cause <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't need that many quarterbacks for one, one quarterback leagues at all. Yeah, for me, it, it it depends. If I end up with one of like the top five guys, um, then I will have that quarterback and one or two others, maybe three at the most. You know, so I'll have one to three quarterbacks total. Um, if I don't get one of those first guys and I'm loading up on wide receiver early, um, then I might go add one more. I might have three or four of the mid tier guys just so that I can stream the position and maximize it. Um, that's kind of how I approach it. So I actually uh, kind of depends on how my draft starts. I typically don't go with a super high end quarterback though. Um, how do you like your wide receiver and running back um, positions to look? Um, assuming um, let's say like a 35 man roster on the NFL side, um, something like that. If you've already got two or three, um, well, let's say super flex actually, before we jump to that in a super flex league, how many quarterbacks are you rostering? I forgot to ask that. Yeah, and that I'm okay actually uh, taking a stab at some players that you wouldn't even think would do, to be rostered in some cases, especially I got I have a league where um, you know it's 14 teams, and over the years, like I've had just three quarterbacks or just even like two quarterbacks at a time, just just because of how I was positioning myself via trade. Uh, but super flex leagues, I'm at least having three, and in rookie drafts, uh, you know I'm, I, I don't mind adding uh, a couple more uh, if I'm in position to do so. So I might have like five <laughs> uh, quarterbacks in a, in a league, especially like in a 14 team, uh, 14 team super flex where uh, they're super valuable in trades. Um, even the younger quarterbacks have some value in trades. So it might have five. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you too. Um, I think it's super important to have options and I actually don't mind if there's a pretty, if I know the backup quarterback situation is, is pretty decent uh, for my main starter. And I feel comfortable with that person. I might even roster a backup quarterback 
um, as like my last guy, just in case Jalen Hurts gets injured or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, or if I if I go if I grab Anthony Richardson, I'm probably going to grab Minshew as well, you know. So I have a little bit of that uh, versatility at for that quarterback for that team. Um, although I don't know if I want myself tied to the Colts offense too much this year, but uh, in general, I don't mind adding um, uh, adding an extra quarterback very late that other teams would not value quite as much. Now let's talk about running back wide receiver. Um, I'm guessing this is the bulk of your roster. Uh, for sure. And and it used to be, um, I, I would try to have just a bunch of different running backs, like just be crazy deep at running back and just have like a bunch of different uh, potential backups. And, and even like in the startups, I would try to, to try to do that and just grab a bunch of them. And I think that's great. Um, maybe more so for a single year le- leagues that you're just trying to play like the, uh, you know, plan for injuries at the position and, you know, prioritize wide receiver early and get a whole bunch of maybes at running back later. Um, but, but now I, I kind of just try to go with a smaller group of running back um, and really I'm okay with trading for need because of the, the value of the position has just become so depressed lately in a lot of my, my leagues uh, because the shelf life implied for running backs is just lower. Um, so zero wide receiver or zero. Zero wide receiver. Zero, zero running back is just kind of blown up. And so everybody is hoarding wide receivers. And, and so I, you want to be different. You want to zig when people zag, but you can't be left out there without uh, a really solid, elite, stable wide receivers long term in Dynasty if you want to be competing in year four and five. Uh, I know a lot of people that are newer to Dynasty and haven't been playing for, um, you know, a decade or more, uh, maybe two decades, uh, you know, don't really. Uh, haven't seen all like the, the shifts and trends and values and positions and things like that, but like you're going to be really disappointed in like year five or six uh, that you didn't have some like, young wide receivers. <laughs> I'll just say right. that. So I, I definitely lean towards uh, investment in the wide receiver position, you know, having lar- a larger number overall at, at the position, um, making sure, frankly, I have like six or seven that I really, really trust to, to start in any given week and then running backs. I'm okay with two or three that I'm really excited to start. Um, and then, you know, just having a smaller group of, you know, high value backups, but not necessarily just shooting for the moon with a bunch of like day three rookies. Yeah. 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 I, um, I love it when that works out, by the way, I find it really hard for myself, <laughs> uh, to, to, to roster two quarterbacks that I feel comfortable with have at least six wide receivers that I feel like are plug and play and have two or three, running backs in a decent tight end group. Um, that's, I mean, that's a championship type uh, type team right there. I feel like I oftentimes either have the wide receivers I want or the running backs, or it's like, man, I, my flex spot is, 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 is struggling a little bit this month, uh, this week. Um, but I also, I, I used to kind of want to build around young running backs um, mm-hmm. and, then just kind of trust that I can replace them later on. And I found that to be very, very difficult. Um, so I have since pivoted and I am now, I'm not quite the zero RB crew, but um, but I get pretty close. <laughs> I get pretty close nowadays, especially in a, in a tight end premium league or a two tight end league where I'll value those tight ends a little bit more, uh, especially mm-hmm. some of the young, like Kyle Pitts, for example, if, if he's around early, um, I, I like to grab him just because of, how young he is and uh, just the potential there. If that offense can get going, if they, you know, they end up getting Caleb Williams next year or whatever, Drake may, um, you know, so uh, I find that uh, going, 
building around the wide receiver. And then when you know your window of opportunity is there, um, paying up for solid running back production. And that doesn't mean necessarily going up for me and trading for a Saquon Barkley. I might try to get like a J.K. Dobbins and, and Samaje Pirine, um, two guys that I think you can start um, as flex type players or, or RB late. I think any given week they can be like a top 12, you know, 10 to 14 back, you know. And yeah. uh, if you have that stable of wide receivers, uh, that's enough to uh, to win a lot of games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I definitely have I've kind of shifted in, in my approach. I, I was definitely way more run, running back heavy in the uh, early 2010s, um, especially at late just 2000s with, you know, like the, the twilight of LT, LaDainian Tomlinson's career and like that yeah. whole thing. Uh, and maybe and, and that had just to do with that era of running backs, too, because I was like prime early career Adrian Peterson. Uh, I mean, he came into the league and Marshall Lynch and Matt Forte and Jamal Charles and CJ 2K, like all these players that came into the league, like 2008, 2007, 2009, whatever it was, um, there was just kind of like this running back renaissance at the time. But, you know, it would be interesting just to see how it shifts again because it will. It's just a, it's right. a cycle. Roster construction as far as um, age is concerned. Um, do you have kind of a, a, sta- a standard like average age you're looking for? Do you want a blend of young and old? Do you not care about age for some positions? Uh, how do you approach it? Because uh, for Dynasty, I think some people really, really um, weight people's av- uh, age um, into their equation really heavily, and some people don't at all. And uh, just curious kind of where where you try to land on that. Uh, I mean, yeah, if, in, in, I, in an ideal world, like with especially when you start up a, a league, you want to have a, a younger core, but you also want to have a young, good core. And that, that's a really tough balance uh, to do. Um, and so I think in many ways we do overweight the importance of, of dynasty and age. Um, not not that it's not important, but uh, I, I see uh, even like wide receivers that are like, uh, you know, 28 plus just getting kind of tossed to the side <laughs> pretty early. And I remember that happening, I don't know, like several years ago when people were just throwing like Demarius Thomas in, in, in the trash when he was like a 27 or like 26 even. Um, and I was just thinking like, what are we doing? Uh, like, or maybe like a 27 year old who might have like a, a, a quote unquote down year that's still around 1100 yards or something. Um, and think, oh, I'm just going to go get younger and target this guy who the second year had 800 something yards. And I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just assuming he's going to be the equivalent it's of like, this player like mike evans getting passed up by young guys every startup draft might now finally work out this year for the first time right uh, that didn't work out for like you know a while <laughs> yeah so, yeah uh, i think uh you know we're, we're just always looking for that next big thing and so we, we end up overvaluing um you know a younger player like uh cough cough gabe davis you know uh and then just being disappointed. So uh, I, I like the safer uh, mid-range and age wide receivers that are probably just going to do it for three more years because their value is depressed already somehow. And running backs, like we're about to see the 2017 class finally age out here in, the, in a couple of years. But man, like there's there's been a nice little value window on that class just because people assume players are done when they're like 25 for running backs. So, right. um, you know, th- there's just always value gaps to be had. In that uh, you know, 25, 26 year old range for running backs, and 27, 28, 29 year old range for for wide receivers as well, because people just think that 
oh, that there's a magical number where they're not going to produce anymore. And I, I know that that's a, you know, 26.2 for this player and whatever. I, uh, that's just not the case. Um, like the good players just keep producing. <laughs> so I, I'm fine uh, trading for a quote unquote old 28 year old in, in many cases. Yeah. And I think one of the issues with this too is we're very um, average. We're getting better, but at predicting an individual player's career arc. I think when yeah. you look at it as a whole, you're like, oh yeah, on average, this is correct for running backs. This is correct. But on an individual basis, there's always outliers. And so um, I think we tend to project what we know um, and we give a lot more weight to it. I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day. We're in a startup together. And he's like, yeah, I feel like my team's going to be really solid for six years. I was like, brother, half these players won't even be in the league in six years. Like the average NFL players like shelf life is, is very short. Um, yeah. So I think we overrate our ability to build for the future. Um, mm -hmm. Oftentimes at the detriment of our current squad. Uh, and yeah. I'm guilty of that too. Yeah. And we'll, we're actually going to get into a little bit of like a career arc analysis and uh, prospect analysis and how that uh, understanding, you know, how career pro progressions uh, typically go at positions versus players who actually stick around to a certain career year, like what, what it typically looks like for players to kind of not necessarily debunk some approach to the game, but we're going to get in, into that level analysis um, and kind of a standalone special as well. Hopefully it can be kind of a, an evergreen episode on the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, real quick here. Um, well, not necessarily quick. Let's take our time and talk about it. But um, let's kind of look at how you approach or how we approach um, a draft. Oh, first, firstly, uh, anything I forgot about roster construction? No, I don't think so. I think we're good. Yeah. Um, I'd like to, if you, if you are starting a, a, a dynasty startup, and I, again, I don't want to talk about player specifics, but um, whether people it's uh, 2023 or 2024, whatever. Um, how, how do you approach the draft if you have an early round pick, a mid round pick, or if you're stuck at the end? Um, because I listen to a lot of people talk about how much they love in a super flux to just start off quarterback, quarterback. And that can work if you have the right draft location. But if you're stuck at uh, pick 10 and those top eight quarterbacks are gone um, and you're left with like those tier three, tier four type guys, are you still comfortable doing that when there's a Jamar Chase on the board? So I'd love just to, to talk about how you approach um, if you do have an early pick, yeah, are you going to go quarterback, quarterback? Do you want to uh, go quarterback, wide receiver and build out your wide receiver room early? Do you want to go hero RB? Where do you kind of start when you have an early and then therefore in the second round, a late pick? What's your strategy going into the draft? Because going early, you're kind of setting the table. Yeah, I, I prefer actually being in the middle, <laughs> like in the middle of the rounds, because I'm okay I mean, obviously, we'd all prefer to have the first overall pick and have Patrick Mahomes on our team. That's fine. But um, I'm okay, like, just in the middle of many drafts because then you miss, you don't get absolutely destroyed by positional runs in startups. Uh, if you're, you know, 20-something picks away from your next slot. <laughs> um, so I, I really prefer to be in the middle if I have my choice. Um, but, you know, if you, if you don't, uh, having a, a, an early pick is, is a fantastic spot just to set yourself up at quarterback and get one of the obvious guys who's probably going to be, you know, a safer projection for a six plus seven plus uh, remaining year mark on their career. Um, Cause there really isn't that much safety at most positions and most players in the entire league. And so if you're trying to just have a, a stable 
you know, cornerstone to your roster with your first round pick is you can, you can absolutely destroy your future with your first round pick. You can't necessarily automatically win your league with your first round pick. Uh, I think that's not a, a foreign concept to many who play this, uh, this nerdy sport we do, uh, fake sport we do. Uh, but I, 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 no problem going quarterback uh, in that first round, early first part of the round. But if I'm in the mid part, I, I have no problem just getting like the absolute best wide receiver. Uh, especially if I'm late too, I'll just stack and go wide receiver, wide receiver. But understanding if I go wide receiver, wide receiver in first round, like round one, round two, there's a good chance that uh, my quarterback depth is not going to be sufficient. My running back depth is not going to be what it needs to be to compete necessarily in year one. But then I'm okay actually positioning myself to, you know, pick up uh, another rookie quarterback or uh, a rookie running back that I need after year one to, you know, finish off the the push to a championship by year two. Um, so it's just understanding like a different approaches might not necessarily be the most conducive to a championship in year one, but it's just hard to do that. In my opinion, at the back end of round one, uh, if you end up reaching and trying to go quarterback quarterback, like you said, because the value over replacement of that quarterback quarterback and one, two um, versus what you'll get at the other positions of running back and wide receiver after that uh, aren't necessarily great. Unless you just smack just a hundred percent accuracy, I can get the, two quarterbacks that just have the, you know, the blow up years and you just made the right decision. Uh, so it, it really just comes down to how you want to position yourselves for the next two years or something after that first round draft. But in many cases, I'm not trying to go after running back at all early anymore, <laughs> uh, but I've got no problem just stacking wide receivers before quarterbacks in a way that I didn't used to either with super, super flex league, because I just, you know, I, I wanted to, I can't be left without a quarterback, but, you also can't be left without any positional advantage over your league mates. So if you set yourself up with two elite studs at wide receiver, you can have a positional advantage there. Um, and, you know, the players that took those quarterbacks early, you know, they have a lower chance of getting those players because you selected two wide receivers. Um, so it just pushes value down uh, at quarterback to yourself as well. So tons of reasons to just really prioritize wide receiver in the late in round one, uh, avoid running back. I think a lot of people, that's, that's not, you know, that's not new news uh, for, for dynasty formats. Um, and really just quarterback, don't don't go reaching just because, hey, it's super flex. I have to have these guys here. Because um, in many cases, they'll keep dropping because players are, you know, league mates just like having symmetrical rosters. And because they've already taken quarterbacks, they're not going to in the next round. So I just don't freak out over positional scarcity too much. Just set your, yourself up to, to compete. Uh, that's what I try to do. Give myself the widest window if I can. Yeah. And I think when, when I have the opportunity, so if I'm drafting early or mid, um, I will go quarterback. Uh, I will choose, um, a lot of the quarterbacks. I mean, uh, even over chase and Jefferson. Um, but there, there does become a point, And I think it's towards the end, if you're picking late where it doesn't make sense to just reach for quarterback. Um, yeah. and so what I did, uh, I had the one eleven in a 12 team, league is I ended up Justin Jefferson was there because um, all the quarterbacks went uh, Bijan went and uh, Justin Jefferson was there. So I grabbed him. And then at the two Oh two, I I was able to get CD lamb. So I started off with, with Jefferson and lamb, which is an amazing start, but I don't pick again. That's pick 14, you know, at two Oh two, my next pick isn't until pick 35. And by that time, um, there were no quarterbacks left other than like the, like, like Jordan love 
And um, let's see who else um, was available. Yeah, Jordan Love, Russell Wilson, Jared Goff. And I was like, man, I don't want to take those guys as my third and fourth pick. So I stuck with receiver and went with like Devonta Smith, you know. And so I have this amazing wide receiver room, but I don't end up addressing the quarterback position until the seventh, eighth round with guys like Aaron Rodgers. Um, and so I have a really weird build um, because every quarterback was just taken. People did exactly yeah. what you hope they didn't and were already getting their quarterback threes. Like uh, people have starting, like good starting quarterbacks like Geno Smith as their QB three. And I just got taken to the woodshed. So now um, my quarterback situation <laughs> is real dicey, but I looked freaking amazing everywhere else. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, it's a it's a tough one when you're when you're at that one eleven, um, and there is that huge run on quarterbacks. It puts you in a really tough situation, and yeah, you almost are building for not like three years away, but I'm going to have to acquire a quarterback if I want to compete this year. Yeah, th- there are worst case scenarios, um, but there's always ways to kind of uh, trade out of that as well. So ho- hope hopefully that works out, and uh, maybe it'll even be better in year one than you think. Yeah, uh, just, yeah. Yeah, and I, I do think though, um, just a couple of questions. When is it like? When are you comfortable uh, selecting your first running back? How long are you typically waiting? Like, I know you're not going to be the guy uh, unless Bijan falls to the end of round two or something like that. But even then, maybe you wouldn't. Even then, maybe you're you're pulling for a wide receiver at that point. At what point are you comfortable reaching for for an elite running back? And then if you miss out on those, when are you willing to reach for kind of a middle tier running back? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm finding uh, a lot, uh, and you can see this in ADP and things like that. Um, there's there's not a ton of running backs that even fit the bill for elite necessarily or elite young right now. But like the the best running backs that just produced last year, the last few years are all like 25, 26, 27 now, uh, 28 in some cases. Um, so I'm not really necessarily reaching, but a lot of those guys are falling in like that round three range, round four range, and I'm okay getting my first running back three, four, five even uh, in that not not all back to back back but somewhere in that range uh rather than investing you know a second round pick or first round pick for sure yeah um after the first six rounds do you usually have only one uh running back on your team at that point or could you maybe have two at that point i could maybe have two yeah for sure because yeah. like it just depends on <coughs> the league and the format for sure because a lot goes into it um like with points per carry that'll change that a uh, points for first down even would change the, the construction how I prioritize a certain uh, running back archetype and how I approach the draft. But yeah, I'll probably probably have two actually in most cases after round six, just because I just, it just depends on the build, you know? Right. Yeah. But that's not like too many running backs. Yeah. Sorry. I'm losing my voice over here. You're good, man. In a startup that has Debbie's included in it. When is the earliest you're, willing to take a court, uh, Debbie player in a startup combined draft. Yeah. And so that's like where you can take a college player alongside an NFL player in the same startup draft. Um, and like you, I think you were just talking about that league of yours like that, uh, uh, where Caleb Williams went like super early. Second, what, round. Round he second round. round, second round. So Caleb Williams, um, it depends on like the, the like the projection and the confidence that we have in next year's class in many, in many cases, um, like back in 2014, 2015, uh, I think at the time there weren't a bunch of players that I was super confident in, um, like 2016, like in that range, like there was just, there's a lot of 
uncertainty in terms of projecting players outside of like maybe like a Zeke, like pre-2016, like everyone was super in on that a year ahead of time. But many years, like there was a good run. I think there were several years where I just was, I don't know. So I, I was like three or like round three or round four in some cases. Like I'm not, I'm not going to take a chance. But this year, there's like um, – there's really just one or two players that I'm okay taking in round two. <laughs> like Caleb Williams, I, I would be fine taking early – round two of a startup because for me, he's already like a, a, a mid tier quarterback one in dynasty because I'm just so confident in his projection to the pros. Like there's, there's, it, there's almost never, that's almost never the case. Uh, but there are exceptions when a, a prospect like Caleb Williams comes out where it's just like, okay, no brainer, super insulated value. Uh, the whole market is in on this player. Uh, almost like Bijan last year. Like we knew this guy, th- this guy's running back one, uh, he's super insulated value. You can invest early and know his value is not going anywhere. And so I, I don't have a, a problem taking that kind of archetype in rounds two, three, four, especially. But in many cases, the certainty in which we do projections for Devi is just way too high. Uh, so I, I'm waiting to till later picks and um, you know getting kind of my favorites in the later rounds mostly. Yeah, I'm the same way. I remember I took uh, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he was a junior because uh, he was like everyone knew he's going to be the one one. Right. Well, now, like his rookie year, he was kind of unusable. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't great. Last year was better, but still not like a world beater. And now we're going into wor- to, to his third year and we're hoping he's QB eight, you know. So um, it can be a long way. And, and Trevor Lawrence was like a can't miss prospect like Caleb Williams. And so I think I agree with you. It's worth taking the the flyer there. But uh, it could still be a long wait, even if they are the 101 and end up having a great career, just because it's tough to transition from the NFL. I mean, it's tough to transition to the NFL from college, even for elite prospects. So it can be a long wait. Um, But I do I do like uh, the strategy that you see people take when you can take those college players in your startup draft. it's it's a lot of fun and even being able to like you only have three slots for debbie players and so even like teams trying to trade to acquire more slots and stuff like that super fun um uh, adds a, a, a nice little element to the game which which i always like um kind of final question for you before we wrap up here and i'm, I'm sure we'll talk more about um some of this but do you ever just like say screw it age i'm going all in on this year and we'll figure out the future later. Like if the draft kind of falls in that way where you can just like all of a sudden Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey are, are sitting there at the uh, end of the, uh, or at the two, three turn um, and you've got Josh Allen or whomever, do you ever just be like, you know what? This is my year. <laughs> um, I have done that in a couple leagues and it actually worked out uh, in a couple leagues where I had won the championship in the first, uh, first year. And that set me up and paid for the next four or five. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I have done that. Like I haven't done that in a while. And uh, one time it didn't work out necessarily how I designed it. I just kind of accidentally uh, went right. Like I, uh, I, I picked like, uh, what year was that? Maybe it was 2016 or something. I picked like Eddie Lacy because I thought he was going to be like, Oh, he's going to be amazing this year. Uh, it was coming off his best career year. And, uh, and he just, just did not. It was like the year that everyone started calling him like Fat Eddie Lacy or whatever it was. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and then I I uh, was super confident. Like, um, 
oh man, what's his what's his name? Uh, Doriel Green Beckham was going to go off for the Titans, and so took him and some other players that I was like, oh, these guys are going to be the ones that hit. Uh, and I and I waited on quarterback because I invested in early like early running backs. Uh, I had like Sean McCoy, and he did really well. But like I just so happened to draft you know draft uh, Travis Kelsey ahead of his you know next six years in a row tight end one stuff. Oh yeah, um, nice. And that worked out. And then like I, I picked up Kirk Cousins, but he was still super cheap. Um, and you know he's been you know like a back end quarterback one for forever. And then like it just happened to be Eli Manning is like one of his last hurrah seasons too. It's like yeah. So sometimes like it was actually kind of a bad strategy that just accidentally it worked, worked out. out. So like I wouldn't recommend. I just would not normally recommend that. So most like most of the time you really should not just be playing dynasty like it's it's redraft, but. You know, it is fun and hilarious when it does work out right. Well, especially because, like, <clears throat> you can build a team for the future and the future can never come. You know, that build can yeah. never work out. Or even yeah. if it does, someone else just had a better one. Uh, whereas mm. if you go all in in the beginning, that opportunity avails itself to you. Uh, yeah. Absolutely can be fun because no guarantees you're ever going to get back there. So, no, that's good. Well, we'll come back around to talk Dynasty startup stuff. I'm sure we'll jump into the, this year specifically, get into some strategy in the future with these players specifically, but that's going to be it for today. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back with you. I think uh, Travis at that, that uh, standalone episode you mentioned earlier, sounds like a great idea. Kind of looking at some career arc stuff. Uh, so we'll be doing that for you guys soon. I'm sure. Um, Travis, anything you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, we've, we covered a lot on uh, just, I think we could just have this episode up for a long time. Cause it's kind of evergreen content. Just I, some of them is, is opinions, but I hope this is just really helpful to the users, uh, users, <laughs> uh, listeners. Um, and it gives you guys some, uh, some help and uh, direction and some, some drafts here, here soon for you. All right. <clears throat> My voice is breaking. Uh, it's yeah. time to get out of here. Thank you all for listening. We'll be with you next week.